This is MPN. Welcome to Movie Matchup. I'm Casey. And I'm Grace. A podcast where we talk in-depth about two movies with a common theme, and at the end, we'll talk about menu items you could enjoy while having your movie marathon. Grace, what is this week's theme? This week's theme is a dish best served with bullets. Yay! Yay! This was a listener request. You can uh, message us on Instagram at movie underscore matchup, and you can request, I guess, if you have a theme idea that you like or movies that you like, you can feel free to do that. Uh, This week's was from Chad, and he wanted us to talk about The Quick and the Dead. He did not care about the movie that it was paired with, although I think that we have picked something that he really enjoys to go with it. Uh, But for the first film, it is The Quick and the Dead from 1995. And the plot is, a gunfighter known as the Lady rides into the frontier town of Redemption, controlled by John Harrod. The Lady joins a deadly dueling competition in an attempt to exact revenge for her father's death. And our second movie is John Wick uh, from 2014. And the uh, synopsis comes from Nick Reganis on uh, IMDb. I just thought he, he did a, a, such a good job, so I'm just going to read it here. <laughs> With the untimely death of his beloved wife still bitter in his mouth, John Wick, the expert former assassin, receives one final gift from her, a precious keepsake to help John find a new meaning in life now that she's gone. But when the arrogant Russian mob prince Yosef Tarasov and his men pay Wick a rather unwelcome visit to rob him of his prized 1969 Mustang and his wife's <laughs> present, which is a dog, by the way. The legendary hitman will be forced to unearth his meticulously concealed identity. <laughs> Blind with revenge, John will immediately unleash a carefully orchestrated maelstrom of destruction against the sophisticated kingpin Vigo Tarasov and his family, who are fully aware of his lethal capacity. Now only blood can quench the boogeyman's thirst for retribution. All right. (laughs) Right? Yeah. (laughs) Pretty good. Yeah, that's very good. Okay. All right. So back to The Quick and the Dead. Uh, I rented this. It was on sale for 99 cents on Amazon. Oh, okay. So I watched it on uh, Tubi, I believe. You can watch it for free on Tubi. So some ads, but... Um, you know, it's kind of nice though. They've got a bunch of movies that you can just watch for free. You don't have to sign up for, for anything really, uh, to watch on those, those apps. So. Oh, great. Okay. So the quick and the dead starts off with Tobin Bell. Uh, the people probably know as Jigsaw from the Saw movies. Uh, but he is digging for gold that he has buried and he thinks he sees a man coming for his gold. But after taking a closer look, we realize that not only... Oh, he tries to shoot the person. I'm so sorry. He thinks he <laughs> shoots a man coming for his gold. Um, yeah. But after taking a closer look, we realize that not only did he not shoot the person, but it's a woman. <gasps> Shock. Surprise. <laughs> Gasp. Uh, and then we meet our tough female lead, Ellen, played by Sharon Stone. Yeah. Do they actually give her does does she have a name for most of this movie i feel like she did not have a name for a long time in this movie yeah they call her the lady i think uh, russell crowe he might call her ellen 
um, towards the end. I think he may be the only one that used her name later. I, I have her written down as Ellen for like all of my notes, even though, yes, they, they just call yeah, her the lady. Because, like halfway through the movie, I was like, what is her name? I was just like thinking of her as Sharon Stone in my mind. So. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, because they just write on the board the lady every time yeah, they want to refer to her. Yeah. <laughs> So, yes, Ellen, or as they call her, the lady, rides into the town of Redemption, and she rents a room from the actor who was Commissioner Gordon in the Keaton Batman movies. <laughs> and then he also has a younger daughter who helps him run the saloon and tend to the guests. Ellen notices someone peeking out of the house when she's having the blind boy of the town clean her shoes, and he explains that that's a John Herod owns this town. He gets 50 cents on every dollar in this town. And she says, what does the town get? And he says, it gets to live. <laughs> Can we also talk about how uh, Herod's house it looks like it came out of a Tim Burton movie? Like, it's just so <laughs> out of place in that town. It's so dark and, like, gothic looking. It's like, man. Yeah. Mm -hmm. A bad dude lives there. Yes. <laughs> so an assortment of unsavory characters have come to town for a quick draw competition. We have Lance Hendrickson playing Ace, who walks around with a deck of cards and he adds an ace to the deck every time he kills a man. And just, that's so hilarious that he just, like, he came in and it was like, you want to play cards with me? And then he explains that he adds an ace every time he kills someone. And so he just has a deck full of aces. I'm like, what if somebody takes him up on his offer to play cards and this is the deck that he has? Yeah. Which is weird, but also that would also mean that like every time he kills someone, which he seems to do often enough, he has spare decks of cards <laughs> just on him to just throw away the other 51 <laughs> cards and just, or I guess, no, you get to keep like four of them. <laughs> so you just throw away the rest. Of, yes, every time. Just so we can do that bit every time he meets a new person. <laughs> Well, it's colorful, I suppose. It's flashy yeah. for the for the movie. So we also have uh, a guy named Scars who cuts a new scar on his arm after every kill. We have, uh, I'm going to say, because you film it usually like, what, a year before the movie comes out. It's like a 20-year-old Leonardo DiCaprio playing right, I was the, curious the how old he was in this movie. Yeah, he's a baby. He probably couldn't yeah. even legally drink yet. <laughs> Uh, we have a cocky gun, gunfighter. Uh, who, oh, sorry, he is. He's a cocky gunfighter, and he's popular with the ladies of Redemption. We have Sergeant Cantrell, played by Keith David. Um, and then we have a variety of other, you know, people that have come to compete in this competition. Yeah, quite, a, quite a cast in this yes, movie. Yes, yeah. So the rules are simple. Anyone can challenge anyone. Everyone fights once a day. The price is $123,000, which I think is an odd amount of money, but okay. Yeah. And today, like trying to adjust for inflation to the, the best that I, that I could, it, that would be over $3 million today that you would win for this competition. Wow. So, not bad. Yeah. It, it, it has to be believable, I guess, that people are signing up to die if they lose, so. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I suppose if you don't die, it will probably change your life that much money. Yeah. So, so yeah, so people are, are signing up to compete, and then the mood suddenly changes when Herod, played by Gene Hackman, walks in. He runs the town, and you can tell that the townspeople fear him, and he decides to have his name added to the list of those competing. 
Russell Crowe then makes his entrance, handcuffed, and being classic Western, thrown through the saloon doors <laughs> by Herod's men. He is playing Court, a preacher who has renounced violence. Herod wants Court to compete, but when he refuses, Herod's men put his head through a noose in the saloon and have him stand on a chair, and then Herod shoots at the chair making it like more flimsy each time yeah like shoots out a leg each time yeah so court still won't agree and then ellen tries to stop them by wanting her name added to the list but herod continues and then when the chair breaks she shoots the rope above court and he falls to the ground and herod has both ellen and court's names uh, entered into the contest Not, not a great guy this uh Herod. <laughs> no no he's not and maybe he'll only get worse as we go on who yeah. knows so the next morning we find out that the kid is Herod's son uh even though Ellen only seems interested in competing against Herod the first person to ask her is Tobin Bell from the beginning oh to- let's not forget that the uh we set up when when Ellen wakes up with the kid the um what I think of as Chekhov dynamite in that scene. Yes, <laughs> yes. His bed, I, I assume it's actually like made out of barrels of dynamite. Like yeah. it just like a blanket thrown over it. <laughs> I don't know how he came into possession of these. Uh, I guess he's a criminal, so maybe he stole them at some point. But uh... <laughs> Maybe he traded for them because he has that little store where he shows Court all the guns and stuff. Oh, so right. maybe he just came into it, the, yeah. you know. Trade, traded at some point. Yes. So he has a dynamite bed. <laughs> maybe that's why the ladies like him. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So you find out that he is Herod's son. Um, and yeah, so the first person to challenge Ellen is Tobin Bell. So she has to fight him, even though she really only wants to fight Herod. Uh, someone, let's see. Oh, and if someone tries to cheat and fires early in the contest, Herod has men positioned who will shoot them down. The kid has his first duel and he wins it. Mm-hmm. I find Leo <laughs> very fun in this movie because he gets to have fun. He plays so many, you know, serious characters that it's... Yeah, that's true. It's nice to see him just be like cocky and very light. Yeah, he's and, just brash and, and overconfident about yeah. everything and just <laughs> yeah. having fun. Yeah. So then we get a montage of duels happening throughout the day. And then it's time for Court to duel, but he doesn't have a gun because he's renounced violence. So then the kid from his little shop presents him with all of his gun options and you can like see Court like looking over it like it's temptation, like a drug. <laughs> I'm like hearing the sounds and he does some some gun tricks. Uh, so Herod buys him the cheapest gun to compete and then a single bullet. Right. So that he can't, if he gives him any more bullets, he could possibly, you know, try to shoot Herod or his way out of town. So he gets one bullet and, and a terrible gun. <laughs> and then when the clock strikes during court's competition almost like an instinct he has said that he is not going to to fire but he just immediately does as soon as it, as it strikes and he wins he wins his gunfight and then next up we have Herod uh, is going to duel Ace and Ace has been taking credit for killing the Terrence brothers but Herod exposes Ace for being a fraud because he is the one who really killed the Terrence brothers. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I 
Mm. Uh, and then Herod is faster and he wins the duel. And even though it's only a quick draw competition and not a duel to the death, mm. Herod just kills Ace anyway. And basically asks the audience to applaud. So the audience just <laughs> awkwardly applauds when Herod, yeah, just asks. I just had an image of like, uh, what was that? that uh, I think it was Jeb Bush and he's like, please clap. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that's essentially what he does. He like raises his guns in the air to try to get people to applaud for just unnecessarily killing this man in the street. <laughs> So then Ellen wins her first duel against Toad and Belle, and she returns to her room to find a note that Herod has left asking her to join him for dinner. Mm. And so she does, and she brings, like, the world's tiniest gun yeah. I've ever seen, like, hidden in her outfit. Like, it makes sense because you're hiding it. It's just, mm -hmm. it's just a little gun. Apparently, I looked this up, and mm -hmm. the, that type of, I can't remember what it's called now, but it's meant to, like, it has no, like... I don't know what the parts of a gun are called, but it's like flat, you know, <laughs> it's like very stunted and, <laughs> and it's apparently also meant to be used as brass knuckles if you need to. Ah. <laughs> well, that's very handy. Yeah. I did see that and I don't remember why I saw that fact and I don't remember what it was called either. Yeah. <laughs> so Herod explains uh, while they're having dinner. That he was married, but he killed his wife because she was unfaithful. So all his wonderful qualities are really stacking up. Yeah. Herod doesn't think that Ellen is a killer. While, while she is preparing to shoot him. She is, like, yeah. trying to get her gun out and untied and ready to shoot him. And he's, like, explaining to her that he does not think that she's a killer. But she actually isn't a killer. And she can't bring herself to actually shoot him. All right. I, well... I, I do want to talk about that, an aspect of this movie. I guess if, if, we'd have to skip ahead a little bit. Do you mind? No, <laughs> go ahead. Because we've, we've had these flashbacks throughout yes. the movie yeah. at this point. Like, they're sort of interspersed throughout the movie of, uh, you know, uh, Ellen's uh, history with Herod and why she's here. And at this point in the movie, it's, it's basically just implied that Herod killed her father. And... Um, uh, we we don't really get the full story until the very end of the movie, which is that he basically had, was pulling that hanging trick with the, the chair on her father. He give, gave her the gun to shoot uh, his rope. He, he gave her, you know, three chances, three chances. to shoot the yeah. rope. Mm -hmm. And instead she accidentally shot her own father in the head. Yeah. <laughs> which is horrific. <laughs> yeah, no, it makes perfect sense why you're scarred and you are coming back yeah. for revenge, yeah. <laughs> but I also feel like uh, I don't know. Do you, did you feel like maybe the movie did her character a disservice by holding that information until the very end of the movie? That like that's what actually happened? Because I found myself getting a little frustrated with her. It had been a while since I watched this movie and I didn't remember the full history of her character. And I was just like, why isn't she killing him? <laughs> and it's like, it makes sense looking back because it's, you know, she's not just scared she's actually traumatized by what happened to her mm -hmm. when she was little mm -hmm. um but uh yeah i don't know it, it, i i found myself a little bit frustrated uh by holding that that reveal off until essentially the end of the movie uh when we were watching so i 
I hadn't seen this in a very long time, but that, because it's so horrific, is just burned into my memory. And I thought that the movie opened that way. I thought that the movie opened with, like, that, like, back in time, and then we were going to, like, just flash forward, like, you know, years later to present day. So when producer Ryan was watching this for the first time, like, I thought that that was going to happen. And then I was like, oh, this doesn't start the way that I thought that it did. And (laughs) completely did not remember that they held it until the very end as Mm -hmm. like the puzzle piece and I I wonder if they tried to make her because there's multiple times where she doesn't want to kill somebody if they're Mm -hmm. just trying to push because she also you know doesn't like court or becomes bitter towards him for like a little bit when she finds out that he is also was a terrible person and, and killed people and stuff like that that they're just trying to show the contrast between all the despicable people that have come to this town because they're they're not really good people. I mean, you I right. feel like you like the kid, you know, he's like young and yes, he is shooting people, but but you like him. He seems like ultimately a good person whereas most of these people are just really terrible. Yeah. in a variety of ways and they're trying to make her so that she is she's not a killer. You know, she doesn't yeah. want to do anything bad. She looks down upon all these people that are just like willing to just kill anyone and brag about it and all that kind of stuff. So I'm wondering if that's like what they were what they were going for. But maybe just because I knew what was gonna happen and like so it mm. it didn't frustrate me as much watching it just because like I knew I could remember what had happened and like yeah. that this just doesn't this just unfolds in a certain way. Like I didn't quite remember and then looking back on it I was like, Oh, so when he like when he says like uh, I don't think you've ever killed anyone before or or if she he asked her if she's ever killed anyone, she says yes and he says, I don't think you have. Um like looking back on that with the information at the end of the movie I'm like oh so that would be like really horrible <laughs> to have to remember in the middle of that conversation with him uh you know that she has killed someone before it was her own father <laughs> and like yeah and like no wonder she sort of had a breakdown and had to leave um at that point but it, yeah in the in the moment I feel like it plays more like oh she's just a weak girl who's in over her head um which you know there's not necessarily anything wrong with that but uh yeah I just kind of felt myself getting a little frustrated with her um in a way that uh, I'm not sure would have would have it may have been better if to know that information earlier on I don't know (laughs) I'm going back and forth (laughs) yeah I think you could have that beforehand I think that you could have that information at the beginning going in and then just Mm -hmm. kind of knowing you know the whole the whole time that that's why she was there I'm wondering you know if in like 1995 just because it was so long ago that now it just kind of like plays differently you're putting the pieces together in your mind pretty quickly so it you know you just yeah so okay all right let's keep on going through the plot sorry (laughs) we're gonna re-edit the movie we're gonna put that at the very beginning So let's see. So we get some backstory between Herod and Court's relationship that they were outlaws together. And Herod forced Court to kill a priest that had taken care of them. And then that's when Court decided to change his ways and renounce violence. And then Herod asks the kid, his son, to drop out of the competition, but he won't do it. Which I think is Herod's like only soft spot. Like Herod is awful in every way possible throughout Mm -hmm. this movie. But he clearly does have a soft spot for his own son. Yeah. He does want... not much of a soft spot. No. No. (laughs) But it's there. Yes. 
Although I'm, I'm curious how much, like, some of that might just be, uh, you know, sort of a, a pride of being a father, you know, like, this, this is his family line, so um, he, he probably doesn't want it to end <laughs> with him. I don't know. It, yeah, I, you know. It could I'm be not bo- necessarily inclined to give him a uh, a positive viewing as, as a character, so I'm trying to figure out <laughs> how can I make this about his selfishness instead. <laughs> yeah, and I mean it can be it could be both. I feel like you know he enjoys killing people and terrorizing people and stuff like that, but because mm-hmm. it is his son, he would just rather not have to do it to that one yeah. person. I feel like there are, you know, certain guidelines. I mean, I, I towards the end, he also, he does have certain, like, rules he generally wants to live by. They're kind of thin, and he will, like, cheat through them. But mm-hmm. he wants the idea of an honest win and to be challenged and, and stuff, you know, to a certain degree. He goes back on it kind of quick, but, but still. Yeah. But we'll, <laughs> we'll come to that. So Herod knows that Kentrell Keith David is a hired gun. So Herod decides to change the rules in to make it a duel to the death. So now you have to kill your opponent instead of just shooting them to win. And after beating Cantrell, Herod yells at the, the townsfolk who hired Cantrell to kill him because he wants to know how they don't have the money to pay his taxes, but they do have the money to hire a gunfighter to try to get rid of him. And then Herod shoots Cantrell in the head. Uh. This is just the most despicable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just hate him so much yeah. in this scene. Yeah. Uh, so then the please kill this villain. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so then the kid has his next duel and he wins again, moving on to the next round. Eugene Dredd, who is another guy in the competition, um, and like just a terrible person in the town that has been hitting on the like child daughter mm-hmm. of Commissioner Gordon. He rapes the saloon owner's daughter. Yeah. And then this uh, understandably upsets Ellen. (laughs) And so she gets into a fight with him inside of the saloon, which causes them to then take it outside uh, as they are around in the competition. She wins, but she doesn't, she just still can't bring herself to kill him. He is also like begging her to not kill him. Yeah, he's, you know. Making it as hard as possible. (laughs) Yes. So she decides not to. And then uh, when she has her back turned, he tries to go after her. So Mm -hmm. then she just kills him. But it's all too much for her. So she decides to leave town without finishing the competition. And you can understand that. Like with the trauma of like, so now this is technically the second person that she's killed. The first person she has intentionally killed. You know, Mm -hmm. just, but also again, it's not like she was so filled with rage that she decided to kill him. The first time was a total accident, and this time it's just self-defense. self-defense yeah. yeah. So, yeah, so she leaves, and then Court uh, duels Spotted Horse, who says he cannot be killed. And this is a great <laughs> scene of tension. He cannot be killed by a bullet. <laughs> yes, that's true. <laughs> so they duel, and we think that Court has won. Because he was the first person to shoot Spotted Horse. He goes, he goes down. And then he comes back. Yeah. <laughs> and so Court asks for another bullet. Because he's only given the one each round. <laughs> but Herod won't give him another one. Yeah. So it's very tense. As Spotted Horse like keeps firing at him. 
And then the blind boy, yeah, eventually like throws him a bullet that he finds and he shoots Mm -hmm. him again and he goes down again. And then we get one final scare (laughs) as Spotted Horse raises his arm again, but it falls back down (laughs) and Court wins. I mean, technically he was true. It took, he was right. It took uh, two bullets to kill him. (laughs) Yes. Yep. Mm -hmm. I also want to talk about the uh, Sam Raimi-ness. Yes. The of it all this this scene in particular um is right out of the Raimi playbook the when he is jumping for the bullet that the blind kid has tossed him it's it's almost I I feel I want to put it side by side with when Ash is jumping for his chainsaw at the beginning of Army of Darkness because I swear it's like the same shot (laughs) but (laughs) but also throughout the movie you just have so many like standards from the Raimi playbook uh particularly during the shootout scenes like for the first few you've got those crash zooms on like you know the one player's face and the other in the other shooter's face and then the clock and then zoom 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 faster 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 before yeah. the clock strikes and then we get like that um how oh, i forget what it's called but where they're like zooming in and panning out at the same time uh-huh. yeah <laughs> and it's like each shootout as we go closer like just has some sort of like stylistic thing to make it more intense as as we uh count down uh to the clock and um which you kind of need i feel like because this isn't you know an action movie where every action scene has a bunch of fighting and stuff like that it's essentially just two people standing opposite each other and shooting each other multiple times throughout the movie yeah and uh you kind of need something to jazz it up Yeah, and they did a really good job because they wanted to make, you know, each one feel different. And they do. They do a good job of making each time that it's essentially just two people standing in the street and then it's the first person to fire. Yeah. (laughs) They do a good job of, like, creating tension and making them all feel very different and, like, stand out. If you're describing one, you're not thinking of a different one at the Mm -hmm. time. So, yeah, they do a really good job of that. And it just is – it's fun to see this sort of Raimi – isms i guess (laughs) throughout all of his movies like you see that in this the same way you saw it in you know evil dead and then you you can jump forward you see the same sort of things in uh like the doc ock attack in Mm spider-man 2 and mm -hmm. then jump forward to drag me to hell and it's just like he's got his style and he's gonna stick with it even if it's not you know trendy even if it's not (laughs) like (laughs) the thing that everybody else is doing um uh, and it's just, I, I, I enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, it's really good. And it's, it's not, I guess, how you think of most Westerns that can mm-hmm. seem very, like, slow and, like, long shots and, like, really taking their time. And it's like, this one really moves. Yeah. In it, yeah. <laughs> then Ellen, because she's left town, she goes to a graveyard where the doctor from the town is and people would know him as old man marley with the, the man with the shovel from home alone yep <laughs> i immediately recognized him. yes <laughs> so he's the doctor and he tells her that the gravestone she's looking for was smashed by herod the body was burned but the doctor managed to pull the marshal badge out of the fire oh he's just such a dick yeah then Ellen decides to go back to redemption and learns that the kid has challenged Herod which means Ellen has to fight court because we're just down to the final four so Herod will have to kill oh and Herod tells them that he'll kill them both if they don't fight so they're they're forced to to fight each other yeah and she can't leave town at this point anyway. yes 
So Ellen tries to convince the kid not to fight, but he's willing to risk death to earn his father's respect. Which, like, while I, I understand where he's coming from, at the same time, you either are going to murder your father. Yeah. Which, these were not the stakes when he entered the competition. At the beginning, it, you know, again, you don't have to kill the other person. Yeah, you, you would have yeah. put them down, basically. Yes. So it's like he could have earned his father's respect. But in this one, it's like either you, sh- you shoot first and you kill your father. So you only earn his respect for a very short period of time. <laughs> or, I mean, the other general option would be you don't earn his respect because he shoots you first and you just die. Yeah. Now this works out a, a little bit differently. But those are your two options going in, really. So anyway. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> It's just not I a... feel like if they had established a more, uh, like, that he really hates his father and wants to kill him, then then I feel like that would work more. But it doesn't really seem like he does. Like, they, they have a contentious relationship, but it doesn't really seem like there's a lot of vitriol there. I don't know. Yeah, I feel like his father just, like, kind of puts him down. Like, he, he know. I mean, he did put money on his son, so I feel like he knows his son is at a certain level. And again, he has, like, a soft spot for yeah. his son. But at the same time, he does put his son down, and his son just wants his father to respect him and, like, say mm-hmm. something nice. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, Herod also tries to get the kid to quit, but he still won't. So they duel, and the kid grazes Herod, but Herod shoots the kid in the stomach. And then as the kid is dying, he is reaching out for his father, and <laughs> Herod does nothing, and he dies. So, and then he disowns him. <laughs> yeah, which just... <sighs> just uh, <laughs> the worst possible guy that you can think of. <laughs> Does he think that that makes it seem better? Like, <laughs> is he disowning his son, which makes him look like more of a monster, but thinking that it's going to sound better, that it's like, yeah, but he wasn't really my son, so is it so bad that I killed him? Yeah, I, it probably wasn't really mine. <laughs> <sighs> uh. <laughs> so then Ellen remembers that the kid uh, sleeps on a bunch of dynamite. And she asks the blind boy what kind of ink he has. And so you can tell she's coming up with a plan. Mm-hmm. So then it's Ellen and Court's duel. Court ends up shooting Ellen. And the doctor pronounces her dead. He doesn't want anybody to get near her. As if he's so broken up that she has died. <laughs> Nobody come near her. Her blood is surprisingly red. <laughs> so then Rasty, who's one of Herod's men, beats up Court. And hits his shooting hand. So the next day Herod is upset saying that Rasty has ruined the contest and shoots him. <laughs> so like he does he does want it to be fair in that way that it's like he's really like going up against court to see who's yeah. the best of the best and that the contest isn't rigged like against him. But then right after that. It's also just can we talk about how incredibly petty it is that that uh, you know he's dragged court out from his life as a preacher like. Uh, burned down his his like mission mm-hmm. and <laughs> mm-hmm. and forced him into this competition just so that he can uh, 
figure out once and for all like who the better shot is yeah and because he thinks that he is upset that he thinks that court is living this lie yeah of this person instead of like the monster that he thinks that court should be and that he is but like that it's not a bad thing but like that's no, who he yeah. should be <laughs> it's just so so incredibly petty but anyway yeah so, yes, so they decide to duel, um, and Herod admits that he has always wanted to go up against Court. He's excited for the duel, but he also tells his men that no matter what happens, if Court is standing at the end, to shoot him down. Yeah. So the clock strikes, but instead of it just striking, this time when it does, it explodes. <laughs> and then several more explosions go off in the town and I want to come back to this at the end I'm going to come okay. back to the fact that <laughs> we've exploded the town yeah. but so then out of the smoke Ellen walks up she's not dead <laughs> court shoots the henchman surprise bitch yes <laughs> our leading lady did not die <laughs> so court shoots the henchman so it's a fair fight between Herod and Ellen and he asks who she is, and she throws down the marshal badge <laughs> at his feet. So now we get the full flashback that you were talking about earlier, yeah. about how we have Ellen's father, who's played by Gary Sinise. He was the marshal for the town of Redemption, and that Herod had, Herod had his men like put his father's like neck through a noose, and she had three chances to shoot him down and save his life, and she ends up shooting him in the head. Um, so we, she's a child <laughs> yes and like even as an adult I would not be a good shot with a gun you just no. hand me a gun I'm not gonna do a, a, a good job so but yeah so now we understand that she is back to kill the man who forced her to kill her father the man who then took over her father's town and by saving court um, by shooting him down at the beginning she was doing what she couldn't do as a child mm-hmm so back to the duel. So we have Herod and Ellen. They both fire. He hits her in the shoulder. And then you see his shadow with a hole through it. Yeah. Great shot. Which is great. <laughs> yes. And then she shoots him again through the eye and he flips over backwards. Yes. And we get bullet vision on that one. Yeah. Straight at the eye. <laughs> yes. So Herod is dead. Yay. Yeah. And her revenge is is done. And she throws Court the Marshal badge and she rides off. <laughs> the end. Now, I have two points to make at, yes. the, at the end. While I, I don't want to, to change one of these things, I like that Court gets to be the Marshal of the town. But mm-hmm. these are the same people that were like booing him and threw manure oh, at him. They were so mean to him yeah. for no apparent reason. So I don't... Like- like, they hate Herod, and yet the entire time, they're just like, I couldn't even... <laughs> I don't know. They're just, like, throwing things at him and being like, you're gonna die, preacher. Like, why do these people hate this guy so much? I don't know, especially since they don't like Herod. It's not like, oh, we really like Herod, and so we don't like you. So I don't know if it's just like these people have so little and this person is lower than them. So they like being able to pick on someone. Maybe it's okay. Maybe it's that he used to be in the town terrorizing everybody as one of Herod's men. Oh. And so now that he's on, you know, the the bad side of Herod, they can. Yeah. He's been knocked down in power. Okay. 
That makes sense. That makes that does make sense, I guess. <laughs> Would you be excited for him to be the marshal of your I, town? Yeah, now? maybe not. <laughs> I wonder if he'd be like a little like, he seems yeah. better, but will he go back? I don't know. So that's my first question. Yeah. Um, my second one is, did Ellen just ruin their town? Like she. <laughs> I mean, it's not great, but the, <laughs> most of the town is still standing. <laughs> they don't have a clock anymore. Uh, she built, blew up at least a couple buildings. Yeah. But one of them was Herod's house, so no loss there. Okay. All right. You know. <laughs> it was just an odd thing to me that, you know, I hadn't thought about when I was younger watching it, and then it's going on, and I'm just like, she's just blowing up this town. Like, these people <laughs> don't have much. Uh, but yeah I guess you know now they've got money they don't have to pay Herod so uh, that's true rebuild <laughs> they will thrive now that yeah. that Herod is gone <laughs> and all his terrible henchmen are gone um so yeah so after Sharon Stone's hit Basic Instinct uh, Westerns became popular again due to the Oscar winner Unforgiven and Sharon Stone picked this film to produce. And as producer, she picked Sam Raimi, Russell Crowe, and Leonardo DiCaprio to work on this movie. Which, Which is... all great choices. I yeah. <laughs> no, those are, yeah, those are all good choices. Great producing job. <laughs> yeah. And then the jacket that she wears in the film is over 100 years old. And she bought the horse that she rides in the movie Magic from the movie. Which is nice. Aww. And... Uh, Fitting for a Sam Raimi film. Bruce Campbell was supposed to be in it, but unfortunately he was cut out. Of course. I wonder if there's like... I mean, of course he was supposed to be in it. Yes. He was cut out. Yes. He he's often does make the cut. <laughs> yes, yes. It's weird to watch a film that he's not in, honestly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then with uh, 12 other Westerns being filmed in 1994, the crew faced a shortage of Old West costumes. Which... <laughs> They're just not popular. Westerns just are not like a popular thing now. So it's crazy at the time yeah. to think that there were 13 Westerns being what was made. What the last Western that came out? I don't know. What's Kevin Costner up to? <laughs> um, all the guns in the film are authentic to 1878. So many of the guns uh, you don't normally see in Westerns. Hmm. But uh, yeah. And I know there was supposed to be like a sex scene between her and Russell Crowe that got cut out because like she was talking about how mm. Leonardo DiCaprio was not a good kisser. But I don't think that's totally his fault because it's one of those things where she grabs him after her win. So it's not going to be right. the best thing anyway. But she, you know, he's, he's, he's young. <laughs> yeah. It's time to improve on his kissing. I mean, anyone that's grabbed to kiss also, I don't think that's totally put on them to not yeah, be as, true. you know. Uh, Let Him Go, 2020. Okay, so that's the Kevin Costner movie. Um, but yeah, she said Russell Crowe was a good kisser, but then they cut that scene. Mm. Which I think would have felt odd. Yeah, I don't think it was needed. Also. Like, like yeah. they have some, you know, they they have a, a, an affinity for each other that comes across in the final movie. I don't know that we really need to see them sleep together. Yeah, it seems like a friendship, and I like that because it's yeah. just like, you know, her and Herod, while they don't have like a romantic relationship, he does invite her on a date. So I feel like, you know, if he could have done something with her, he would have. And mm. then also with the kid, it was sort of like they would have done something, but he got way too drunk and then nothing happened. So I like that her and Russell Crowe don't have that, that it just seems purely like a friendship. 
But also, my question is, like, reading that fact, when would that have happened? Because he is handcuffed this right. entire <laughs> film. Apparently, this scene is still in the uh, European... I think, I think I read that somewhere. Interesting. Okay. So I'm like, when... Because I really don't think she's going out to that town square and having sex with him in front of everyone, just, like, yeah. out there. So, Like, maybe before their final shootout? Maybe. They, they have kind of a contentious relationship before the end of the movie, so I can't see it happening before near the end. Yeah. And it's not like it would happen after they get the town because it's like she leaves. So it's not like they're sticking around to just throw a sex scene in after, like, your big bad has been murdered. So yeah. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, that's all I have written down for The Quick and the Dead. Yeah. If, uh, if anyone has seen the European cut and knows when the sex scene is, go ahead and write to us. <laughs> uh, and DM us on uh, Instagram at movie underscore matchup. <laughs> yeah, I wonder if Chad has. Chad, if yeah. you have, <laughs> let us know. Uh, so we paired this movie with um, John Wick, although we should also point out that this movie would pair extremely well with Kill Bill. <laughs> yes. Yes, it uh, would. But we already covered Kill Bill in a previous episode, mm-hmm. so... <laughs> Um, but you know, revenge, blonde lady, uh, no name. I mean, <laughs> at some point Ellen gets a name, but for most of the movie, no name. I feel like that's true. That's true. <laughs> yeah, she really. Yeah, she's not called by her name. She is called the lady, just like the yeah. bride. Yeah. Wow. Okay. <laughs> but instead, we're pairing it with a, another revenge movie, John Wick. Yay! Um, <laughs> so we open with John uh, in. Uh, He's sort of slowly crashing his car, I guess, into the side. It's like not going very fast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> into a wall. Uh, and he sort of falls out of the driver's seat and he's beat to hell. Uh, he gets his phone out uh, and is looking at uh, his wife before passing out. And we get flashback to uh, John's life. He lives in a beautiful mountain home. Uh, and we uh, see clashes of his wife who uh, died of a unnamed illness at some yeah. point. Um, and then um, we uh, go to her funeral and we meet uh, Marcus played by Willem Dafoe um, who uh, sort of stands back from the funeral, but John uh, goes and talks to him and he says, he's just checking up on him. Um, and then later after the funeral, a puppy is delivered to John's house, and it's from his his dead wife, uh, who wanted to give him something to, you know, uh, care about, basically, yeah. <laughs> after she was gone. And it's the cutest little puppy in the world. <laughs> it's so cute. Um, <laughs> and then we get puppy bonding <laughs> time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um with uh john and uh he uh has the dog with him in a car and they stop at a gas station uh where they meet um yosef played by sorry i just have him written down as theon Greyjoy. Um, yeah it's Alf- alfie yeah <laughs> alfie allen but yes i also have him written down as theon Greyjoy in my notes yeah <laughs> I'm probably going to go back and forth talk, calling him Theon or Yosef throughout. <laughs> so <laughs> just fair warning. <laughs> um, 
that he is uh, admiring John's car, which uh, I didn't write down, but according to the guy who wrote that synopsis is a um, 1969 Mustang. Um, <laughs> so he's admiring John's car and he asks him how much for the car. Uh, and John says that it's not for sale, um, uh, which uh, he does not take well. So <laughs> he leaves, and then John goes uh, to an airfield where he uh, just starts having fun, like, driving his car around and, and, like, getting very close to walls and stuff, and the dog is having a great time with him. <laughs> I just wrote, wee! Um, <laughs> So we're getting, a, we're getting a little bit of a hint of uh, John's past. He's very, very good at driving cars for some reason. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, uh, later on, uh, when John's asleep, uh, Theon breaks in, beats John up, steals the car, and kills the puppy. And then we're not going to talk about that. <laughs> it's very upsetting. I'm glad it's in the back too. I mean, I'm sorry. I know you just said we weren't going to talk about it, yeah, no, it's but okay. like it's it's like in the back. There isn't like a close up of it because it's no. so unnecessary. I mean, it's necessary for the plot of the film to be driven, yeah. as any of us would. Um, but yes, I'm I'm glad that it you know it doesn't like really put your face in the, do- yeah, at the it's, dog. Yeah, it's it's not a close up on it, which I'm grateful for, especially after seeing that French film. Sorry, <laughs> I told you about that that. <laughs> code santa claus um which is a great movie but there is a dog death in it that is much more uh it's right on screen uh and it's with a, a like a cake slicer so it's it's bad uh-huh. but, <laughs> i mean it's quick but it's on screen okay <laughs> i did not appreciate it uh. so uh, uh in that sense john wick is, is kind of conservative with the dog death but anyway um <laughs> so john comes to and uh, it's time for revenge. Um, <laughs> and now the movie can begin. So Theon <laughs> takes his car to John Leguizamo's garage. I forgot to write down John Leguizamo's character. I name. also just have John Leguizamo <laughs> written down. Uh, John Leguizamo immediately tells him to get out um, because he knows whose car it is. Um, and then uh, Theon's uh, daddy calls <laughs> John Leguizamo to ask him why he was rude to his son. And he tells him that, well, sir, he stole John Wick's car and killed his dog. To which he re- replies, oh, and then hangs up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so daddy is not happy. <laughs> um, during this time, we see John taking a sledgehammer to a concrete floor in his house <laughs> um and uh uh oh shoot what's his name sorry the mob boss theon's daughter uh, dad vigo uh, vigo yes <laughs> that one i that one i have <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh vigo was explaining to his son uh just uh what a mistake he has made <laughs> uh killing john wick's son and how uh, he, I once saw him kill three men with a pencil. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, under the concrete floor, John has a trunk just chock full of weapons. Uh, so then uh, Vigo sends a bunch of faceless goons after John uh, at his house, which was a mistake. And I have here kitchen counter punch neck break. 
which I believe was my fa- is my favorite kill in that action scene. <laughs> anyway, John kills all of them. <laughs> yes, Vigo did try to, I suppose, smooth things over. Not that you could at right. this point, like you couldn't. He does, That's because that's the one thing I have written down, is that he does talk to John Wick on the phone. And I think it's Dennis Duffy from 30 Rock, or those mm-hmm. Allstate commercials. Oh, yes, yes, his, his uh, like, right-hand man. Yes, like, after Vigo tries to just try to, like, smooth things over with John so that nothing bad has to happen, he, he's asked, like, what did he say? And he says, enough. <laughs> Which is just that he said nothing and he hung up on him. And so it's just like, all right, well, this isn't going to be smoothed over. I guess we have to try to kill him. Yep. Um, so uh, after the attack on his house, uh, a policeman shows up uh, to John's house because there was a, you know, a noise complaint. <laughs> and he just takes a look inside and he says, you working again? Yeah. Um, oh, I didn't write down John's response. Well, anyway, I just thought it was funny that the, the police apparently know what John does and they're fine with it. Um, yeah. <laughs> and then uh, John makes a call and some uh, cleaning uh, service guys show up to uh, take care of all the bodies and uh, clean up his house for him. <laughs> um, so then uh, Vigo puts out a hit on John for $2 million dollars. He goes to uh, Willem Dafoe, Marcus, and uh, personally asks him to kill John, um, which he uh, agrees to. And then uh, we see John checking into a hotel, the Continental. Um, he greets a lady named Perkins in the lobby. Uh, he says it's good to see him again. And um, <laughs> I just love the, the the entire setup of this movie is that there's this whole underground assassin world uh, that exists and we're just kind of thrown into it with John as he's re-entering it uh, after his supposed retirement. Um, <laughs> so this is this hotel where all of these assassins stay and there's like this, this rule that they can't attack each other while they're staying at the hotel. Yeah, there's a definite structure. Like it's not just a free-for-all. Like the hotel yeah. has that and then it would still be like, okay, you're doing jobs. You have a person that you call like for a cleanup crew, Charlie. It's like, yes. it's all, it's, yes, it's a business. It's all set in place. Yes, there's this, just yeah. just this whole uh, world that exists for these assassins uh, to, to do their work, right? <laughs> um, so John goes down to the hotel bar and he has a chat with Winston, the hotel owner, played by Ian McShane. Uh, and he's looking for help finding uh, Theon. Ian McShane kind of uh, says he's not going to help with, and then he does. Yeah. <laughs> because he likes John. He's got a soft spot. Yes. <laughs> I prefer this man with a soft spot. Yeah. <laughs> than Herod in The Cook and the Dead. Um, so he directs him to um, a club uh, where John goes, and we get another big shootout action scene in the club which and by the way uh this club is it has like a, a baths in the basement yeah there's a it's like a bathhouse and a club <laughs> which i've yeah. never heard of in my life but maybe it exists i'm just not cool enough to have been to these kinds of places well we're not in their world like yeah so <laughs> I would think I would have seen something about like this on like Instagram or something, you know, (laughs) where are 
the uh, the uh, social media influencers for the bathhouse <laughs> bath clubs? clubs. Yes, I probably would. You know they've yeah. got to exist. Yeah, I probably would not go to one though. I don't really need to. Yeah you know bathe publicly or you know I don't know also it did not work out well while I enjoyed the music over this action sequence and I, I love the the look of it I don't know I'm not uh it didn't sell me on it I'll say that yeah on the, on the concept yeah okay. um <laughs> so John gets pretty close to getting uh Theon in the scene but he doesn't quite make it and then he ends up getting pretty beat up thanks to uh Theon's brother who is basically working as his security guard uh i don't know why he gets such a crappy job and theon just gets to like mess around all the time but um <laughs> yeah i don't know i don't know <laughs> he like gives him shit for being irresponsible but it's like well couldn't you just be as, just as irresponsible if you wanted to be i don't know be like, I wouldn't want to be a security guard if I had to be the option, but... <laughs> yeah. Um, so John goes back to the hotel. He calls or, or asks for the doctor uh, when he when he does so, so that he can get patched up. Um, the key master. Then... The, doctor is that? The, the doctor is the key master from the Matrix. Oh. I missed that. Uh, so he gets patched up and then uh, is trying to get some rest. And we see Willem Dafoe outside his window, and he's got—he's—he's he's like a—he's a sniper assassin. That's like his style uh, <laughs> for killing. Uh, so he's—he's he's got his sights set on John, but then uh, John's door opens, and uh, Perkins uh, sneaks in, and he shoots beside John to wake him up. Mm-hmm. And then we get a fight between Ms. Perkins and John, and uh, Perkins is played by—I think her name is Adrian Palicki. I believe. Oh, it probably is. That sounds um, right. I don't have it written down, but that does sound right. Who I, I will always think of as Sam's dead girlfriend from Supernatural, but <laughs> <laughs> she was also almost once um, Wonder Woman. So I thought oh. it was interesting just to watch her in this movie and sort of imagine what that was. Because I think she even filmed a pilot. It was like when they were doing a Wonder Woman TV show, she oh. was going to be the Wonder Woman. Anyway, um very believable, I feel like, in this action movie. I think she would have been a good Wonder Woman. Yeah. Um, and, uh, but uh, John gets the upper hand on her and then uh, gets some information from her. Uh, and she tells him that about a church uh, that's a front where Vigo keeps his money. And so then John leaves her with um, another assassin who's staying in the hotel, Harry, uh, until the hotel management can take care of her. Uh, so then John goes to the church <laughs> and just lights up the place <laughs> with <laughs> with gunfire and it's hilarious <laughs> yes the uh, preacher at the church takes him to the back where they're holding all their money and uh, and John sets it all on fire um, <laughs> uh, at the same time Perkins kills uh, that assassin who's who's watching her Harry yeah. in the hotel so not a good move um then uh, Vigo shows up uh, to the church, um, kills the preacher that was, because, you know, he's not a good guy. Um, <laughs> uh, and John uh, 
fights with them uh, at the church, but uh, gets knocked out. And here we have, I feel like we need this in every like action movie that's about one of these guys, the torture scene uh, where he gets yeah. tied up. <laughs> because it's too easy to just kill the guy who's, who's after your son. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You could make that easier on yourself, but you choose not to. No, no, you gotta make him, you gotta make him suffer and give him an opportunity to escape. <laughs> So that we can get the third act of the movie. <laughs> Which, anyway, so yes. You um, killed his dog and stole his car and went into his home. Mm-hmm. But okay. <laughs> uh, so before uh, John can be killed, he is saved by Willem Dafoe, who does his sniper routine uh, and to take out the one of the guys in the um, who's torturing him. Um, so then, uh, John finally, uh, manages to find Yosef at his safe house, takes out all the bodyguards, and, uh, kills Yosef. And, um, but we're not done. <laughs> the man who has killed the dog has paid, but <laughs> yes. there's still a little, a little snag. So after all this, uh, John checks out of the hotel, and he goes and he meets up with Willem Dafoe, to thank him for the help that he's, you know, given him throughout all of this, um, because they're buddies. But Perkins is watching. That little wily minx has uh, has caught them. <laughs> uh, so she goes to uh, Vigo with the information, and he uh, gets uh, Marcus, calls up John uh, to uh, let him know. So then uh, Ian McShane... Uh, kills Perkins for, you know, violating the rules of the hotel. And at the same time, he calls John and tells him where he can find Vigo. Uh, so, <laughs> sorry, I'm just thinking of uh, the the right-hand guy of Vigo in, in this whole scene because he's just, like, so pissed off that <laughs> he still has to deal <laughs> yeah. with John Wick. <laughs> Uh, they're like on their way to a plane to take off, but uh, but John finds them, <laughs> stops their car from from so that he they can't get onto the, <laughs> the plane, uh, and then we get uh, a fist fight in the rain, no more guns, just brawl. Um, <laughs> Vigo pulls out a knife, uh, and then. John purposefully lets him stab him so that he can break Vigo's arm. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, John stabs him in the neck and walks away as he dies. And we're back at the beginning of the movie. <laughs> John wanders into a uh, veterinary clinic to uh, clean himself up with the uh, medical supplies. And then a little pit bull whines at him. And so he has a new dog. <laughs> the <laughs> He got a new dog. It's all okay now. <laughs> <laughs> Until the next one. Until the next one. Yeah. Because, you know, the, there's a lesson about revenge here, <laughs> which is kind of hinted at also in The Quick and the Dead, you know, that it, it won't really, like, bring peace and, and all that stuff. Although the, the I'd say it's kind of contradicted by the entire story that they're telling in with the movie. Yeah. Because it very much, you want these characters to get revenge as you're watching, mm -hmm, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, yes, it's, it's, it's not a, um, 
a very productive, I guess, <laughs> means of expressing your grief. Um, but it's so satisfying to watch it uh, from an audience perspective. <laughs> yes. Um, but yeah, he's kind of he's kind of back in the world now. John is, uh, so it's 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 not gonna it's not gonna be so easy to leave it again. And they're all great. I enjoy all of the John Wick films. <laughs> I am looking at the John Wick pops that we have right now. Yeah, we they are so much fun. Yeah, <laughs> it's just fun. So you know, watch uh, Keanu Reeves kill a bunch of people at close range with gun <laughs> just like <laughs> yep um, and we get more dogs and they don't die so yeah yes so i do have like a uh, one little fun easter egg that i found well uh one cool one is that apparently keanu reeves was like really sick during the filming of the nightclub scene the nightclub fight oh. scene he like had a fever and yeah i'm like dude <laughs> Get your rest, Keanu Reeves. You got to take care of yourself because you're a national treasure. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, also, the security guard who waves Wick onto the airport runway was reading a 1970s thriller novel, Shibumi, by Rob, Rod Whitaker, uh, under the pen name Trovanian. Uh, <laughs> but it was also about a retired master assassin dragged back into the game. And the story Vigo tells about Wick once killing a man with a, uh, three men with a pencil is describing a scene in that novel. Interesting. Yeah. Although then we get that in the sequel, so. <laughs> yes. Yeah, we do. Yeah. But yeah, that is uh, John Wick. Uh, an excellent revenge story. Very satisfying. Yes, it is. Should we talk about some food? Yes. So... You go first. <laughs> okay. In The Quick and the Dead, um, they do have champagne. When she goes to Herod's house. Right. I felt like that was odd. Was champagne common in the Old West? I have no idea. But it, <laughs> it looks like champagne in a flute. So I, yeah. So champagne. And then there's also wine. And it looks like they're having on their plate when they have that dinner, like squab or a Cornish hen or like some sort of like bird on the plate. Mm -hmm. uh, with carrots and then like as he's talking he's like peeling that apple and then later also when he's like cleaning his gun before like his big fight at the end he also has like um like a a, a bowl with apples in it so I feel like apples would have been mm. I don't yeah. know if that was more of a rich food or they were rare <laughs> or whatever but he had like a whole bowl of them as well so I mean, I feel like Apple kind of also works with the theme of, you know, a shootout. Like, I feel like, you know, you always think of, like, the apple on top of somebody's head. I don't mm -hmm, know. Or mm -hmm. maybe a little bit. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> In this one, though, they did the card trick with the yes. with the little girl instead of an apple. But normally that probably would be, yeah, an apple. So for this, I haven't made it yet, but I'm going to. I was going to do, I found uh, an apple barbecue sauce recipe. So okay. I was going to do an apple barbecue sauce chicken uh with some carrots or like some mashed potatoes to go with it so nice nice uh, american old west kind of meal mm -hmm. yeah yeah um i'll be honest i forgot to note down any food in john wick i can't and believe I it feel like there wasn't much normally i do too normally i write down the things as well and i don't have anything written down does does I Theon, blame the movie for being so uh, interesting. Does <laughs> what does he give the dog to eat in the beginning? He doesn't have any. I think it was cereal. Okay, and then I think Theon is like asking for champagne or something in right, the yeah. bathhouse. He's like demanding yeah. it, 
Okay. And I'm pretty sure Ian McShane is drinking a martini with like three olives. Oh in yeah, the, in, it goes to the bar. The bar. Um, but there's a lot of liquor. You know, there's a lot of drinking throughout the movie. Yes. Um, so you could get. I don't ask me why I know this exists, but there are so many gun-shaped liquor decanters <laughs> on Amazon, <laughs> which I feel like would be appropriate for either movie. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, and also my other idea, maybe just because it's Christmas time, but I thought that it would be fun to make like gingerbread henchmen, um, oh. and just, and just, you know, with different bullet wounds on all of them. <laughs> yeah. That would also be good for both movies really. Cause I feel yeah. like Sam Raimi was so clever, you know, whether it was like, uh, like the bullet hole, like through the head. Mm-hmm. or, like, you can see the bullet through Herod and stuff like that, that, yeah, it would work for either yeah. movie as well. All right. Yeah. Okay, well, Grace, do you want to tell people where they can find us and what the theme for the next episode is? Okay, so, yeah, you can find us at movie underscore matchup on Instagram, and you can find some of our recipes at Sugared Nerd. Uh, the theme for next week will be Murder They Wrote. And until then, remember that uh, killing people is wrong, but some people deserve to die.